Let's turn our Bibles together to Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. And before we study this text together, let's pray. Father, we turn to you once again and we... We call upon you. We ask you to help us in our weakness. We ask you that in your great and sovereign power and in your infinite wisdom and through the dynamic and living Holy Spirit, we pray that you would work and move in our eyes and our lives right now, opening our eyes, opening our hearts, opening our ears that we can hear you and hear what you're saying, that we can know your will know what you want, that we can understand with the understanding that comes from you. Fill us, we pray. Help us, we pray. And give us grace, we pray, then, to, to not only hear, but to do your word and to work and, and, and out our salvation in a way that is glorifying to you and pleasing to you. Father, help us now, we pray. Be with us now, we ask. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It was an absolute life-altering experience to be with Jesus. You can imagine what it would be like to be with Jesus. I don't know if you've ever been with anybody who was like really a super amazing high-quality person. Uh, somebody who you could really grow around, being around, just being around a person like that is uh, you learn so much and you take in so much. It, can you imagine what it would be like to actually be with Jesus, to be in the presence of Jesus, to walk with Jesus? It was powerfully transforming. In fact, in Acts chapter 4, verse 13, I love this verse where it says, And now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were uneducated and untrained men, they marveled, and they realized that they had been with Jesus. These fishermen out of Galilee, these uneducated men, these country bumpkins who can barely speak the language, these men, where did they get this boldness, and how can they come traipsing into this temple and start preaching to people? Well, here's the answer. They had been with Jesus. And you know what, dear friends? It is still an absolutely transforming experience to be near Jesus, to get close to Jesus, to experience Jesus. And we can do that today. We can experience Jesus today. We can experience his presence. We can experience his power. We can experience his grace. We can, we can be near him and experience him in such a way that it will actually transform and change our lives. Now, how do, how do we do that? Well, one way is personally, personally. In fact, Jesus himself said, he taught us to pray. Give us this day our daily bread. And so, obviously, this prayer that he taught us that we should be praying through this outline is a daily prayer. Jesus told us to get alone, get away, get alone with your father and, and, and pray to him. And so, there is a place, and we certainly emphasize this a lot here, for you to Take some time each day in your life as, 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 as you're able to. Some days you can't. I get that. But as you're able to, get alone with Christ and get alone and, and pray and interact and, and have it be personal. And I, I want to tell you something. Um, 
five minutes, three and a half minutes, okay, with Jesus can transform a day. And so I just want to urge you, get alone with Jesus. Get alone with Jesus. That's, that can be transforming, and, and it will be transforming. In, in my life, if I could really point to one thing that was the most formative and important thing in my life was early on in my life as a Christian, I was taught and discipled and trained to develop a, a personal devotional life with God, and it's, it's served me well ever since. But I want to go beyond this even now. And I want to say to you that the scriptures teaches that there's an even more direct way, an even more amazing way that you can have interactions with Christ. And the answer is through his body, through the body of Christ. Jesus has made a way by which, and he has made unique promises that are unique only and are fulfilled only in the midst of the body of believers. For instance, in Matthew 18, 20, Jesus said this, For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. Now, that doesn't mean he's not with them when they're individual, but there is a unique promise of a unique presence and power of Christ through the gathered body of believers. And Paul is trying to get to that and get that uh, sort of lodged in the minds and hearts of the Ephesians. He wants the Ephesians to get this. And so that's what he's doing here in Ephesians chapter 4. He's giving them a vision. He's giving them a vision. He's giving them, a, 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 he's talking to them about a reality and he's giving them a goal and he wants them to, 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 to respond to this vision and to understand what this body of believers is all about. And that's what I hope we're, we will experience today. Paul and, and God through the Holy Spirit is trying to give us this vision as well. So let's, let's be open, let's capture this vision and let's see this. And so I've been, uh, you, you'll, you'll notice, I don't remember the exact title. In the, in the bulletin I have, Experiencing Christ Through His Body, the Church. And let me just focus that a little bit more by saying, what we're going to be looking at is experiencing Christ, the head, through the body. The head, through the body. We're going to experience Christ, the head of the church, through the body of his church. Now, Paul has already said that Christ is the head of the church. We saw this in, look in Ephesians 1 and verse 22. It says, he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Paul has already taught us that Jesus is the head and the church is his body. And in that sense, the church fulfills him who can't be fulfilled in one sense because he fills all in all. And that's the beautiful mystery of that. So then Paul, uh, when he gets to Ephesians 4, he starts talking about the fact that Christ, as the head, gave gifts to the church. Look at verse 7, 4, 7. But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of his gift. And therefore, he says, when he ascended on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts to men. Then in verse 11, Paul opens up some of these gifts, some of these gifts, not all of them, but some of them, and primarily the teaching and foundational gifts of the church. It says this, and he gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. And he's given these teaching gifts for what purpose? Well, he gives that in verse 12. For the equipping of the saints 
These teaching ministries are to equip the saints. The saints are to be discipled, given the equipment they need to do their task. And what is their task? And that's the next phrase, for the work of ministry. Their task is the work of ministry. And that's the word diakonia, service. The, the work of service, ministering to one another. And then the goal of this, or the outcome of this, is the next phrase, for the edifying of the body of Christ. And then he talks about, in verse 13, this journey that we're to be on as the body of Christ, as it were. He says, till we all come, till we all arrive to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. We looked at that, to oneness, to unity, oneness, and to a perfect man or to a mature manhood, to a mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We're to come to maturity. Oneness and maturity, and that maturity can be seen in one way, and one of its great benefits is verse 14, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men in the cunning craftiness of, 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 and, of deceitful plotting. We grow to maturity. The body of Christ is to grow into maturity. We saw, a lot, we saw in the weeks past, grow into the headship of Christ, you know. So there isn't this, this strange view of, a, of an adult head and an infant body. We're to grow. We're to grow into maturity and, and grow into these things. Now, the question is, how? How is this supposed to play out? How does this work out? And that's what he takes up in verses 15 and 16, and that's going to be our focus today, verses 15 and 16. So look at verse 15. But... Speaking the truth in love. Speaking the truth in love. Now, this is a, actually, this is a really interesting verse, and it's a verse that actually causes a lot of, especially Bible translators and preachers, to scratch their head. And this is why. You say, why? That looks pretty straightforward, speaking the truth in love. Yeah, except that Paul doesn't use the word speaking. He doesn't use the word speaking. Actually, literally, this is what Paul does. He makes a participle out of truth. You say, well, Todd, I hated English grammar, so, get, so help me here. Well, I'm with you on that, but there, sometimes this stuff is helpful. Participle is like an action word, an action word. He makes an action word out of truth. So literally, Paul is saying this, truthing in, lo in love, truthing in love. And what does he mean by that? Well, obviously, part of what he means by that is speaking the truth, and that's how English translators translated it, speaking the truth in love. So it is that, speaking truth to one another in love. But there's more to that. Doing the truth, living the truth, modeling the truth, living out the truth, showing the truth to each other so that they're impacted by the truth as I'm doing, living, modeling, and speaking the truth. That's what I think Paul was getting at when he sort of uses this phrase, true thing, true thing in love. And of course, love is extremely, love is the whole goal. Love is what, love is what he's, he's focusing on. Love is the entire ethos, the entire life, the entire air of the Christian church is to be loved. I don't, I don't know if you, if you picked up on it. I'll, I'll try to point it out next week because, Lord willing, next week we're going to really finalize this idea of the body and, and gifts. But Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12 all about the gifts and, and what the different gifts are and, and, and sort of the priority and, and how we're a body. And then he says this at the end of verse 12, but I'll show you a much more excellent way. And then comes 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter. Love is, is, is the actual goal. So we're truthing each other in love. And then notice what he says next. May grow up 
in all things into him who is the head, Christ. And so this truthing each other in love then leads us to grow up in all things, in every area, in every part of our lives, in everything of who we are. We grow up we, in the whole body, the whole body of believers, the whole body together grows up by truthing one another in love, grows up into the head, grows to maturity, grows to that mature manhood, grows in, in that sense that we're no longer children, grows to adulthood in Christ. So you see, so this verse, verse 15, is this idea, this dynamic of one another growing up into Christ, okay? Then the next verse, which is a very complicated verse, a verse very difficult to understand, actually sends the energy the opposite direction. So verse 15 is, is the body to the head. Verse 16 is the head through the body. And I want you to see this dynamic, this inner dynamic that goes on here, okay? So notice, all, notice first of all, that verse 15 ends with the focus on the head, the head, that we might grow up in all things into the head, and then he identifies the head, who is Christ, the head, Christ. Then look at verse 16, from whom, from the head, from Christ. Now, I'm going to go through this phrase by phrase because this is a, this is a very complicated verse. I, I, Dr. Lloyd-Jones, the great Dr. Lloyd-Jones, says he thought it was the most complicated verse in the entire Bible. I don't agree with him on that, but it's close. Um, he says this, it says this, from whom the whole body, and then he uses this phrase, joined and knit together, joined and knit together. Now that's, those words are words of interconnectedness, interconnectedness of cohesion. He actually used those words already once in chapter two and verse 21. Look at that. In whom the whole body being fitted together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And here, Paul is using ag uh, architectural language, okay? So the, the fitting together here is, now you could think brick upon brick, but that's not how the temple was built. Think of it, did you ever, did you ever build a stone wall or did you ever do masonry work where you did stone? Uh, and, and if you've ever done that, what you do is you got all these stones laid out and then you, okay, this one will fit good here. Now you put, you, you mortar that one in there and then you say, okay, well, this one will fit here. And then have a little space, okay, have this little space, no, no, no. Yeah, this one will fit perfect right here. And before you know it, eventually all those stones are up here, but they're all knitted together, they're all fit together. And that if you're laying a stone wall, you, that's, that's the, the idea, this knitting, this interconnectedness. Now, of course, with a body, it deals with, you know, the, the way the human body is so amazingly all knit together and connected together, and all of the, all of the organs are sort of interrelated and, and independent. That's the idea that is here. So he says, from whom the whole body joined and knit together, now the next phrase throws everybody, by what every joint supplies. Wait a minute, Paul. Joints don't supply anything. Joints are hinges. They keep, they, they, they connect in that they connect this to this, but they don't really supply anything. And that's where joint probably isn't the best translation for this, okay? And some of your Bibles will say ligaments, ligaments. The original word did, was used by them as joints. It was also used by them of ligaments. But it, Paul is using it here in the idea of connection tissue, connecting tissue. 
Uh, there's a, a Bible translator, Weymouth, and, and I find him very helpful at times. And he uses the phrase, uh, he uses the, the idea here of, of, what did he say? Continuous connection of tissue or something like that. And so what he's trying to say here is, oh, contributory link. That's what he said, contributory link. So what Paul is getting at here is this. We would think of this more in terms of, in, just in terms of anatomy. We would think of this more in terms of nerves, okay? Nerves that connect and bring energy to the whole body. So, so from my brain right now, the nerve is telling my hand to move because there's an interconnection from my brain to this hand through all this. We would use this with the idea of blood uh, veins and, 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 and such arteries where, where the, 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 the blood is, is carrying oxygen and nutrients to every area of the body. It's being pumped out and, 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 and it's connected by, by that system. That's what we would use here. So, so that's what you should think of here is a body that, is, that has these interconnected systems by which, by which the body uh, feeds itself and, and, and oxygenates itself and things like that. That's the language that Paul is using here. So he says, verse 16, from whom the whole body joined and knit together by what every joint supplies. Now look at that word supplies. That word literally means supplies, vitals, provisions, support, food, provider, blankets, water, supplies like that. Here, the supplies, the, the needs, the, 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 the stuff that, that you need to, to, to live on, say, for instance, is all being flowed through these connective tissues that are, that are flowing it all through from the head. That's Paul's illustration here. Then notice he says next, by which each part does its share. And of course, every part has to be working or the thing starts to break down. So if your kidneys begin to fail or your lung begins to go or your heart, for goodness sakes, begins to go, uh, the whole thing, one part goes, the, the, the whole thing begins to break down. And that's what he's getting at here. As each part is doing its share, each part is functioning to its best of its ability, as it were, causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. It causes the growth. So again, look at what Paul is saying. From the head, in this verse, from the head, the life, the energy is flowing through all of the connective tissues to each part. And as each part is doing its job, it grows, it matures, it grows, it matures. And notice that is an ongoing sort of self-contained self process causes the growth of the body for the edifying of itself. And then he's back to love, in love. Now look with me to Colossians 2, um, what Kevin read today, Colossians 2. Uh, in Colossians, it's really interesting because I'm going to actually come back to this concept a little bit right at the end. But in Colossians, Paul is dealing with these Colossians. And what happened is people came into their lives. They were walking with Christ. People came into their lives and started giving them something really bad. What? Leading them into sin? Leading them? No, 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 no. Giving them religion. Religion. You see, Satan loves religion especially if religion replaces Christ, okay? And that's what was happening. They were starting to get into rules and regulations. They were starting to get into worship of angels. They, Paul calls it a man-made religion, nothing that God ever commanded. And notice what it says. He says in verse 19, he says, and not holding fast to the head. See, notice what he says. Look at verse 18. Let no one cheat you of your reward, 
taking delight in false humility and worship of angels and intruding into things which he has not seen, vainly puffed up by his fleshly mind, and not holding fast to the head from whom, whom, Christ, all of the body, nourished and knit together by joints and ligaments, grows with the increase that is from God. Now, notice that verse for a second, because he says what he's saying in, in chapter uh, Ephesians 4. He's saying it here with, with sort of the, a, a, a different, un, unique emphasis, and this is what I want to focus on. From Christ, the head, if you are holding fast and united to the head, from him flows this power and energy in life and that causes you then to be increased, to grow, to mature, to increase, and that increase comes from God. Now, that's what's being said here. So back in Ephesians 4, that's what Ephesians 4 is teaching. So let's apply this to ourselves. How, how, what does this mean? Well, first of all, I want us to be impacted by this glorious vision. Look at this vision, dear ones. Look at this vision. Christ, as the head of the church, uniquely connected to the body, organically connected, vitally connected from Christ and the church connected to him, flows energy, life, truth, power, love, the Holy Spirit, grace. It flows. It flows through him. I am the vine. You are the branches connected to me. Life flows. Health flows. Fruitfulness flows. Prosperity in that sense flows. You'll live. You'll flourish. Life comes from me. And Paul sees this all connected, all connected through this interconnected body that is experiencing Christ as it's connected, as we're connected to the body. And so nothing is as transforming and life-changing and glorious as Christ is. Remember they said, uh, these men have been with Jesus. These men have been with Jesus. Their life has been transformed. And when Christ is present and working through his body, God is experienced in, in, in powerful and unique ways. In 1 Corinthians chapter 14, Paul is explaining why their fixation with tongues was so misdirected that, they, they, that the, the place where they should be is prophecy. Now, when Paul used the word prophecy, please don't think of fortune-telling. Please don't. That's not what, Paul, what prophecy in the New Testament is. This is what, what you're hearing right now is, is, in one sense, what prophecy. It's where the word of the Lord is opened up and opened up in the power of the Holy Spirit, and God is being experienced through his word. And notice what Paul says. But if all prophesy, he earlier said, if all speak in tongues, the unbeliever is going to walk in and say, this is a madhouse. But then, but then he says this. But if all prophesy and an unbeliever or an uninformed person comes in, he is convicted by all. Why? The word of God is being opened up. He is, convic he is convinced by all. He is convicted by all. And thus the secrets of his heart are revealed. And so falling down on his face, he will worship God and report that God is truly among you. Where two or three are gathered, I am there. This fellow came walking in and he heard the word of Christ being preached and he experienced the living Christ and he experienced the power of it and Jesus was being faithful to his promise where two or three are gathered together and he met God in that place. And that is what Paul is trying to say here. 
Paul is trying to say that through the body, and this is why Paul thinks that unity is so important, oneness is so important, and connectedness to the body of Christ is so important because through this body, the head, the power, the energy, the life from the head flows into the body, and you will experience Christ in that way. Now, let's be careful here, okay? Let's be careful here. I'm not just talking about a feeling, okay? I'm not just talking about a feeling, all right? I'm not just talking about, and I'm also not just talking about, well, okay, sign on the dotted line, join a church, and then boom, that's not what I'm talking about here. Let me explain this to you. Like, for instance, I'm, and I'm definitely not saying what the Roman Catholic Church teaches, Eastern Orthodoxy, other of these churches teach. I'm definitely not teaching that God's grace is dispensed through the ministries of the church in the way that they teach it. I'm not saying that you will be blessed through, uh, through, 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 through priests. I'm not saying that the elevated um, uh, uh, elements in the mass, that's how you're experiencing Christ. I'm not saying that through, through the icons, that, that's, I'm not saying, that is not what I'm saying at all. In fact, that's not, I think I, that's not what this is saying at all. It's something much more deeper, something much more profound than that. I am also not saying what uh, some of our beloved Pentecostal brethren would, would say, uh, and that is, is that I'm not saying that through music and through emotion um, that that's the focus that is here. It's, it's purely that because you can have an emotion fast and walk away completely un, untouched by Christ and, and not be growing. I'm not saying that either. What I'm saying is something, what I'm sh- trying to say, what Paul is saying is that there's something very rich and something deep and something, let me use the word here, subtle and yet profound that happens when a healthy body of believers is functioning as a healthy body of believers connected to the head. Through that experience, through that people, through that life, through that reality, Christ is experienced in a unique and powerful way that he cannot be experienced simply if you go at this alone. That's what I'm trying to get at. That's what this is to be like. And so it begins. So what's it look like? Well, what, one of the ways it's obviously going to look like is the teaching and preaching ministry of the church. That's obvious because he starts off with apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. The teaching, preaching ministry of the church. Turn with me to 1 Corinthians 2. 1 Corinthians 2, just to give you a taste of this, what this would look like and how Paul sees this. Paul doesn't see teaching and preaching as just theological lecturing and and giving facts. He doesn't see that at all. He doesn't see that. And he also doesn't see it as entertaining and telling jokes and being the the celebrity pastor that's that's like a a stand-up comedian and a TED Talk all in once on a stage, like we've degraded preaching in our country to, to be. That's not what Paul is saying either. Notice what Paul says when he went to Corinth, a place known actually for its high rhetoric. It says this, chapter 2, 1 Corinthians 2. And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. Now, he's not saying he didn't use wisdom because he's going to talk about the wisdom that we have that isn't from men, that is from God in the second half of this chapter. What he's saying is, I didn't come playing the rhetoric game. I didn't come trying to win you on the culture's terms. I didn't come to do it. I didn't even care about that. Verse 2, for I determined to know not, uh, not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I came as a broken record. I came as a scratch CD. I came, just re- I came with one message, Jesus Christ. 
And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom. But notice this. But in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not be in wisdom of men, but in the power of God. I came preaching in the demonstration of the spirit of power, and through the preaching of the word that you experienced as I came, you experienced God first, head on, as it were. You experienced the reality of God head on through the preached word, through Christ being lifted up and exalted. That's what he's saying. And that's the beginning. Going to a church, please, dear friends, wherever God takes you, Find a church where there is preaching, biblical preaching, sound preaching, preaching that is a demonstration of the spirit and power. Not entertaining preaching, not droning theological lectures. Preaching and a demonstration of the spirit and power. Preaching that ushers you actually in to the very presence of God himself. Look for that preaching. But look for more than that. Look for that. That's an absolute essential. But look for more than that. Look for loving service. Ministry of the saints one to another. Again, go back to Ephesians 4. Look at verse 12. All of this preaching is to be equipping the saints for the work of ministry, the work of service to edify the body. This passage, this whole passage is not primarily focused on the preachers and teachers. It's, it, it actually mentions them at the beginning. They're to do their equipping job. Then the rest of it is about this active living body of believers through whom you are experiencing Christ through. That's what he's looking at in this. For instance, let's think about this. This is the idea of true thing, true thing, as, as, a, as a verb, as words, as actions. Imagine when somebody comes. You're, you're a member of a good church, and you have a need in your life. You have a need in your life. Maybe something's broken. Maybe you need help putting a floor down. You need an extra set of hands. You need help painting something. You, you just had a baby. You need, you, you need some meals. Or you need somebody to come and help you. Just get some sleep. Hold the baby while you can get some sleep. Whatever you need, you, you need something. And a brother or sister in Christ shows up. They show up to serve you. Now, what are they doing? They're doing, verse 12, they're doing the work of ministry. They're doing the work of service. They come to serve you. They come to help. What happens at that moment? What happens in that moment? It's beautiful. It's amazing. It's Christ's will. Number one, you are being helped. Your burden is being lifted. And you praise and thank God because you realize God sent this dear person. They're lifting my burden. And this is actually an expression of God's love for me. Thank you, God. Thank you for, for caring about me and sending this dear brother or sister. But another thing is happening there as well. You are experiencing that brother and sister. They've just walked into your life. And they're loving. And they're Christ-like. And you're seeing Christ in them. And that's transforming. You're experiencing Christ through them. Henry, can I tell them about your room? Can I tell them about your little room? And your, okay. I went over to meet Henry yesterday, and, and on top of his garage, there's a little room where he meets with people. It's beautiful, delightful little kind of, kind of a man cave, Stephanie, right? A little bit of a man cave, yeah. Okay. And, um, and there's a tool belt sitting there, a tool belt on the shelf with a Bible in it. And he said, that's Chuck Murren's tool belt. The dear ones. That made perfect sense to me the minute he said it. 
Henry was saying, here is a man who had a profound impact upon my life. And to me, it said everything here. Here's a man who helped me with his tools, helped me with his expertise, walked alongside me. But I can tell you, because Henry's told me on many occasions, discipled me all at the same time. He experienced Christ through the body of believers. Henry experienced Christ's help in wiring his house, Christ sending somebody to help him wire his house, and discipleship, and fellowship, and encouragement in the Lord, and an example of what the Lord, that's what this, that's the dynamic and the beauty of this. And you don't get this from some priest shaking around with candles and smoke. You don't get this by just glancing and laughing in the Lord and then walking out the door. You get this from profound, mature, growing believers interacting with each other. Dear ones, this is what it means. This is what it means. Christ comes to minister to you, and Christ brings a person, and that person ministers to you as well. Think about when others, when the body is serving each other. It might just be a phone call. It might just be a visit. It might just be a card. You might be sick. You might be down. You might be going through a trial. And, 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 and the body of Christ reaches out to you and connects you. And you say, oh, God, thank you for brightening my day. Thank you for helping me through this trial. Thank you for the words that they said. Thank you that you're such a good Savior. Thank you that they put in my eyes back onto you and not onto my trials and on my just Thank you. Thank you for coming. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for blessing me. But thank you for them, too. Paul talks about how Tychicus comes to visit, and he said, and I was so ministered to by his very presence. Paul was alone, and just having a brother or sister in Christ right there with him meant so much to him. That's what it means. That's what it means. Just being together. And sometimes it just means just being together, no actual practical thing. How many of you, how many of you have had the experience where you had to miss church for two or three weeks in a row? You know what that's like, don't you? I miss that so much. I miss it. What are you missing? Look at this little podunk place. What the heck are you missing? Look at this. We're, we're not a professional praise team. What are you missing? I'm not, a, I'm not a handsome celebrity pastor with the body wave and the cool clothes. I'm a geek. What are you missing? What are you missing? You're missing a dynamic. You're missing your brothers and sisters. You're missing worship. You're missing standing and singing with the saints. You're missing being with the saints. You're missing talking to the saints. You're missing just seeing the saints. You're missing all of that. You're missing, and you know what you're ultimately missing? You're missing Christ as he's experienced through the body of believers. And this is what Paul is getting at. Dear ones, I'm passionate about this. I am. There's no question. This is my soapbox. Because for 45 years, I have seen people as they connect to a biblical, sound, mature church, as they connect to that church, I see people just take off and flourish and grow and their roots deepen and mature and grow in wisdom and holiness and love and mercy and grace and Christ-likeness and their faith grow. And then I watch them go through trials. I watch them go through difficulties. And yes, I've been here 20 years now. I've watched them die full of faith, full of grace. I've watched it, dear friends. The saints growing together. The saints becoming holy together. And that's why it is so important to be a part of a biblical church. So important. Now let me just take a breath here. Lower my body heat a little bit. And just kind of say something right now. Sort of by way of real practical application. 
And I want to say this to both the members of our church and the visitors who are here today, because this is important. Members, sometimes visitors walk into this church because it's so healthy and there's so much maturity and life and holiness and vibrancy here. They will walk in here and they will feel like, I don't belong here. I could never fit in here. These people are way above me. I feel like an infant just walking into a college, okay? That is a reality. I hear of that reality. And I, I, want, I want to say something to both groups. I want, number one, I just want to make our, our, our members aware that people feel that. But number two, I want to say to those of you who feel that, nobody feels the way you feel. Like, they don't feel like, oh, who is this chump who just walked in? Who is this infant? Who? Nobody feels that. And that's because in a healthy church, people are so overwhelmed by grace and that they're sinners saved by grace, and they're so humbled by that that they see anybody else as, as they, they're not to judge them. I am the chief of all sinners, Paul said. I'm the chief of all sinners. They don't feel that way. But I will say this, dear ones, those of you who are members here, it feels like it's very hard that you could break into that. And that's why it's very important for us as the body of Christ to be very welcoming, very welcoming to people. Let people know, welcome them in, interact with them, reach out to them, let them feel loved, let them feel welcome. That's what Christ would want from his church. And so, dear ones, let me say this. I have really seen people grow in grace when they're in a biblical church. And that's why whenever I, people leave, whenever my kids moved away, the first thing I was, I was on them, find a church, find a good biblical church. And the ones who did, which most of them have, have really flourished. But I want to say this by way of warning. And this is why I'm so passionate about getting people locked in. When I hear somebody who's a new Christian, and I don't say you've got to come to Crossroads. I don't do that. I just simply say, find a good, healthy, biblical church and connect. I mean, really connect. Don't just go and visit. Don't just go and listen and then walk out. Connect, connect, so that you can be a part of the body and you can be using your gifts and you can be growing in grace. Because I want to tell you something, dear ones. I have also sadly seen the opposite. I have seen people who never connect with a biblical church, and it, it, it does not turn out well for them spiritually. And I have seen people who have disconnected themselves from a biblical church. And you know, when people do that, and I'm talking 45 years of ministry here, when people do that, they, they appear to flourish for a while. Like, like, you know, if you were to cut off my arm, it's not going to be you know, gray and, 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 and smelly in, 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 in one minute. They're going to take a couple of days before it gets like that. You know, well, the same way. People disconnect and they, they, they do for a while. But there was, and, I, and I've decided that I'm not going to say anything now unless I have seen it personally, okay? Or I'm aware of it because I'm, I've been aware for 45 years of other pastors and that. But I'm going to tell you some stories, not of individuals. I'm just going to tell you. I have seen people disconnect. They seem healthy. They seem happy. Let's take their marriage. Their marriage seems good, and they disconnect from the church. For some reason, they get there, and I don't know why. They disconnect. But anyway, and then I hear years later that they divorced. And I'm like, they divorced? They divorced? Yeah. 
they divorced. And the wife is sad and broken. The children are abandoned. Or the wife abandoned. Or they had an affair. And I'm like, how in the world? And you see, this is what happens. They've taken them out of this vibrant, living body of believers. They, dis they distance themselves for some reason from that. And they began to slowly atrophy spiritually. That's what happens. They, they, they don't have that inner dynamic. Like my liver removed will begin to slowly die, you know. My lung removed needs all that. That's what happens to them. And, I, and, and I'm telling you true stories of people that I, can, I could name names right now, but I'm not. I've seen lives, get, getting, I've seen lives break, break down. <clears throat> Here's another one. <clears throat> I've seen people disconnect from the church and either go back to or for the first time find themselves addicted to alcohol or drugs. I've seen it. I actually know of a seminary student. He was once a seminary student who disconnected from his, the church who died as a young man from a drug overdose. <laughs> he was actually being considered to be a pastor of one of the churches that I, that I knew of before this happened. And when I heard that he had died of a drug overdose, I said, what happened? Well, he disconnected from the church. He went off on his own thing. I actually have seen people also go full-blown. They disconnected from the church, and they went full-blown into covetousness. It became all about the money. It became all about their business. It became all about success. It became all about their, this. To the point that I would meet them then years later, and it was like I was talking to a different person. They didn't even want to talk about Christ anymore. Oh, they went to a church and they attended occasionally, but it was all about the money. I actually know a man who's in prison right now because his covetousness, he actually at one time was a pastor. His covetousness got so great that he, he stole money and he's in prison right now. I've seen people get so depressed. I've seen them spiral down. And I've seen them because they disconnected from the church. And their faith atrophied. And they disconnected from the living body of believers. Dear ones, don't let that happen to you. Christ has done a great thing by the church. He's given us this thing called the church. And again, I'm not talking about an institution that you have to, I'm not talking about priests and, 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 and rosaries and things like that. I'm not talking about experiences in the church that get you high. I'm talking about something much deeper. It's like a, it's like a family. It's like, it's like a, a living body. It, it, it's where Christ is experienced and where Christ is known. And I want to urge you, I want to urge you, connect, connect to Christ through his church. Connect and experience the head through the body. Connect, connect, get vitally connected. Find your gifts, find your place, find how you can serve, find how you can help. Experience their service and help. Rub shoulders, get to know them, be a part of them, get close, and by doing this, you will experience Christ. How does this happen? 
How do you get a church, and I don't want to say this in pride, but how do you get a church like this? How does this happen? How does this happen? Well, you know what? I get asked that question. I get asked that question. People wander in here, and then they wander out. They're just visiting and say, whoa. Where did all these men come from? That's one of the questions I get. Where in the world did all these men come from? Where did all these young people come from? Where did all these mature Christians come from? Where did this vibrancy come from? What's this ministry cutting wood? What's that all about? What's this Barnabas team visiting people? What are these funeral dinners? What's this? Where did all this ministry and all this life and all this, where did it come from? And here's the question I get asked. Actually, I get told. In fact, this just happened to me a couple weeks ago. I was at a conference. And this, the, the, I'm sitting across from a guy. and I'm trying to be real low-key. I'm always trying to be, or Jan's with me, we're trying to be real lucky. Uh, yeah, I've been a pastor. Yeah, how's the church? Oh, it's good church, great. You know, tell us a little bit about it. And here's the first thing that came out of his mouth. You must have an amazing music ministry. <laughs> I was like, no, I'm not getting down on our musicians. They're great. But I, I knew exactly what he meant. He meant, you know, the whole nightclub thing with the stars and reflection and the thousands of bands, speakers up to here, rock and rolling like crazy. I said, no, that, that ain't us at all. Or I'll have pastors say to me, where did you get this stuff? What's the, what's the secret? What book did you read? What conference did you attend? Where's the five steps? And I say to him, you know what? You're going in a really wrong direction here right now. I said, yes, there is a book. There truly is a book. There is a book. Okay, I, I will give you that one. But here's the secret if there's a secret. Preach Christ. Focus on Christ. Don't focus on growth. Don't focus on numbers. Don't focus on feeling. Focus on Christ. Preach Christ. Lift Christ up. Show the glory of Christ. Show the grace of Christ. Show the majesty of Christ. Show, oh, oh, let them see him coming from the Father. Let them see, let them see him laying down all of his rights and responses and privileges and all of his glory and coming. Show them the, cr the cradle. Show them the manger. Show them uh, the carpenter. Show them the miracles. Show them the crucifixion. Show them the blood. Show them the cross. Show them the whips. Show them what his face. Show them as their substitute. Show him risen. Show him glorious. Show him as the great high priest. Preach Christ. Preach Christ. Let them love Christ. Let them know Christ. Let them see how much they owe Christ. Let them be enamored by Christ. Let them be servants of Christ. Let them bow down before him and say, I love you so much. You saved me. I'll do anything for you. I'll be anything for you. And connect them with other people that are like that. Just bring them together. The Holy Spirit will do the work. The Holy Spirit will do the job. You, pastor, preach Christ. And dear ones, that's what happens. When Christ is exalted, when Christ is in a place where he feels, he feels the, the joy of sharing himself, and the body is growing, and the body is, is obedient, and the body is hearing the word, and the body is ministering to each other, and each individual is growing, and they're growing because of their connection with each other and their mutual connection to Christ, and the Holy Spirit is being poured out. That is how this happens. And praise God, there's not a technique for it. Just honor Christ the way the scriptures tell us to honor Christ. Well, dear ones, we have the privilege in our generation and at this time to have a body of believers like this. 
And I want to ask any of you here who do not know Christ, maybe you're not saved. And I want to say, do you want to know Christ? Come to him right now. In your heart, just come to him. Literally come to Jesus and say, Lord Jesus, I want you in my life. I, I need you. I need you. I need my sins forgiven. I need you. I'm turning away from all the world. I'm turning to you. Lord Jesus, I trust you. You say to come. I'm coming. I believe in you. I embrace you. I'm going to follow you. And then follow the biblical pattern. They believed. They were baptized. They were added to their number. And then they grew and grew and grew in this body of believers. Oh, dear ones, come to him. Come today and connect to his body. Let's pray together. Oh, dear Lord, please, we pray. Help us to embrace this vision. Help us not to see the church as just a way that I can get my needs met or a way to do my religious duty. Father, help us to experience you and your son through this body and this life together and hearing the scriptures together and praying together and living together in pilgrimage and fighting the devil together and encouraging one another. Give us grace. Thank you for what you have given us. Thank you that this is a church I know because I was absent from it two weeks in a row. I know how, how much I ached and how much I missed to be a part of this place, of these people. Thank you. May you be glorified through your body, Lord Jesus. May you be glorified through your church. May you be glorified in this place. Give us grace to serve and love one another. We pray this in Jesus' precious name.